Our podcast is supported by Adobe in the Adobe Creative Cloud, the world's best creative app and services, so you can make almost anything you can imagine wherever you're inspired. We use Adobe to help make this podcast using Audition, InDesign, and more. So join the creative community with the Adobe Creative Cloud, and let's make something better unlocking your world of creativity. Tap into your most original thinking, organize your ideas, and create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. Welcome back, friends, to our podcast, Unlocking Your World of Creativity. And as we've gone around the world talking to creative practitioners everywhere, we've also explored a number of creative media and platforms. Obviously, we talked to authors and singer-songwriters, but we've also talked to restaurateurs and game show developers. And today we're going to explore the medium of digital puzzle games. And my guest is Jonathan Knight, the head of games at the New York Times. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. In your background, WB Games, Zynga, Electronic Arts, Activision, connect the dots for us because at first glance, it says, wow, with all this game production background, where does the New York Times fit in? Yeah, <laughs> it's a great question. And when I took the job about two and a half years ago, a lot of my colleagues in my network were like, does New York Times make games? They were confused <laughs> by it. And so I get that, but but we do. And it's one of the reasons I was excited about the opportunity. There are puzzle games. So, you know, the New York Times crossword, as soon as you say that, people go, oh, okay, of course, that's like a legendary puzzle. We've been publishing the crossword puzzle since 1942. And the crossword made a transition to digital and became playable on your devices and on your web browser. And then we started introducing about five years ago, additional games. So Spelling Bee is a really fun word finding game and it's become really popular. And then last year we acquired Wordle, which was an internet sensation. And we added that to the portfolio and we have a few other games. So yeah, we have a collection of digital puzzle games. They're human crafted. People make these puzzles every day for you to solve. And they're a little bit different. It's a daily puzzle and that's our cadence. And it's time well spent. You solve the puzzle, you put it down, you come back the next day for the next one. So yeah, it's a little different, but it is, but they are digital games and it's a really fun and awesome opportunity. Absolutely. And I think of the other side of your network then, what about the, the hardcore reporters and publishing staff at the New York Times? Does anybody say, my goodness, we have a head of games? <laughs> Yeah, I think we have definitely in recent years recognized the value that games brings to the overall organization and have made more investments there recently. Like we have a very big internal games team working on our kind of games business and we have a, a separate subscription tied to the games or you can subscribe to the overall New York Times bundle and get name games plus news, cooking, wire cutter. We have a lot of sort of sub-brands at the New York Times, and we're in a process of educating everybody about all the things that come with the New York Times. I think, look, games are a distraction from the news. They're not the news. We hope that people come for the news and stay for the games and that it becomes like kind of part of their day that they engage with both these things and cooking maybe on the weekends or what have you. So yeah, it's it, it can be surprising how important the role that games plays at the New York Times, but it absolutely is essential to our strategy. 
Absolutely. And as you talk about the games business and you talk about the brands and the sub brands, this is a business. And there's a P&L and a publishing side of things that also occupies your attention. What is it about games that fits in to that overall growth strategy of the paper business? Put simply in terms of like business terms, it's really about retention, subscriber retention. And what we're finding is that when people subscribe to the New York Times and they engage with both news and games on any given week, their sort of long-term subscriber retention is the highest of any of our like product combinations. And that includes news alone, games alone. It includes news plus other aspects of our portfolio. It's that news plus games on any given week, if you're engaged with both of those products, you retain really well over a long period of time as a subscriber. And so we just see it as a really great product for creating that engagement. And I think it's the daily it's the daily habit, frankly, that news stories come and go. There's big news weeks, there's slow news weeks. Even with our cooking product, people engage with recipes sometimes on more of a weekly basis. But with games, it's a real daily habit. You get up in the morning, you do your Wordle first thing. Maybe you solve spelling bee last thing you do before you go to bed. Like a lot of people like to solve the crossword puzzle over coffee. It's a daily habit. And that's like the value that I think it brings to the portfolio. You've definitely given a glimpse into my daily routine. And this whole Wordle sensation, there, there's a starter word strategy, obviously behind this as well. But I was thinking about again, on the creative development side. Talk, talk to us about the process. I think of the creative brief almost from my marketing and advertising days. What is the brief and the mission that the Wordle team is looking at? First of all, we acquired Wordle. It was created by a brilliant engineer based out of New York called Josh Wardle. And he had done some really interesting work previously in his career. And he wasn't really a game developer, but he was excited to try his hand at making a game. And he made it for his partner. It was like basically a classic friends and family project. And it just started to grow and catch on. And suddenly 70 people were playing it and then 300 people were playing it and then 300,000 people were playing it. Like it just went viral. The New York Times wrote a story about it because it was catching on kind of in that holiday period mm -hmm. right around Christmas 2021, and then really blew up in January 2022. Josh and I got on the phone together. He was eager for the game to land at the New York Times. He really hoped it would end up there. He didn't want to run it himself indefinitely. And and uh, we got to a really happy agreement and brought it into the company. So it was an unusual way for us to add a new game to our portfolio in the sense that's not what we had done before. Spelling Bee, which is very popular, was homegrown and the team built a prototype. And to your question around the process, when you're coming up with new games, we do a lot of internal prototyping and try things out. We have the green light process where we move things through stages and decide to keep going or to cut them off. And we've killed lots and lots of internal projects that didn't really take off. And that's just how it is in games in the whole industry. You're always trying lots and lots of ideas and it's rare that something breaks through and succeeds, but that's the goal. For Once the game is live and people are playing it every day and you're trying to improve upon it, that's like a different set of processes and challenges. And we do have a team that 
works on Wordle and you're you're trying to keep the game fresh and you're trying to keep engagement going. And we're a little focused on Spelling Bee. We're about to launch a, a feature called Spelling Bee Pass Puzzles, which allows you to go back and play previous ones that you may not have been able to complete, which is a simple thing, but it, it's going to unlock so much engagement for that audience. Yeah, people, they do. They write briefs. We have hypotheses about what we're trying to accomplish with changes and new features and new games. We have our business goals and our creative goals, and we go after it. And I think about this development process, the green lighting process you're describing. It must be similar to, I dial back in your resume, the Simpsons and Harry Potter and Farmville, all these things that were some somewhere, somehow, just an idea, and they had to be developed. Yeah, look, I've had a really rewarding career in games. I've gotten to work on some incredible properties and across all different platforms, whether it's mobile or PC or console. I've worked on licensed properties. You just named a couple of very big licenses. When we worked on the Simpsons game at EA, it was, you know, I mean, that's the most successful animated television show of all time, arguably the most successful television show of all time <laughs> at this point. Like it's really long running and and coming up with a video game based in a franchise like that or Harry Potter is another incredible example. Um, it's a different set of challenges versus working on like original IP. When I worked at Maxis at EA, I worked on The Sims and The Sims was our own IP. It wasn't licensed and we were developing it. And that was really fun and rewarding. But you're like, it's scarier in a lot of ways. There's no, you're creating the rule book for your IP at the same time that you're making the games. You work on The Simpsons and they give you a style guide. Yeah, different challenges for different properties and different projects, and they've all been a blast. That's terrific. And balancing that business side with the creative leadership, keeping the, you mentioned keeping it fresh. How do you keep the creative sparks alive when it really is a daily deadline challenge? You think about your audience and your users. And that's what I don't want to speak for my whole team, but I think a lot of them would agree that you wake up every day and you realize that millions of people are playing your game. Millions of people are solving the Wordle this morning. Millions of people are solving the crossword puzzle today. That's what keeps you going. It's important. These are important things in people's lives. It's meaningful. It brings them joy. And for a lot of people, it creates connections between their family members. We get incredible letters from people, incredible stories of, you know, how I solved the crossword with my father when he was in the hospital up until the day that he died. And it's what kept us together. We get stories about pregnant mothers and we just saw, got one great story about a woman who was breastfeeding her baby and waking up all night long and engaging with our games as she was doing that. And that it's created incredible memories for her. We have parents and kids solving world together and that's bringing them together. So that's what keeps us going is we're doing important work and bringing joy to all of these people. Wonderful. And what's the team working on these days? I know I'm not asking for the confidential, but the kinds of things that you're thinking about the next big franchise, the next big game. We have so much opportunity right now at the New York Times, and it's really just like always a challenge of what do we prioritize? Our roadmap is years long of all the things we want to do. I think there's a couple things we're focused on. One is our New York Times games app, which traditionally we were a website. You could solve the crossword on the website. The New York Times obviously has a news app. And you can solve the games and play the games in the news app. But increasingly, we're seeing a lot of strength from our dedicated New York Times games app. 
And we're driving more and more people to download that app and play our games there. And we're bringing all of the games we have to offer to that app. So literally just today, we launched our game Tiles, which is a visual puzzle. We launched that in the games app. We brought Sudoku into our games app just a few weeks ago. And we're going to be bringing more games into that games app. And we're going to be updating the design of that app making it more modern, bringing more features. And so that's a big focus and we're excited about that. I mentioned on Spelling Bee, we're bringing the past puzzles, the ability to play the last two weeks worth of puzzles and catch up. And that's a little bit more like our crossword archive where you can play a series. So that's a big focus for the team. We have a new beta game out right now called Digits and it's gaining some traction and we're excited. It's a limited beta. We may or may not support that game on an ongoing basis, but we're excited about the feedback we're getting on it. It's a numbers puzzle, so it's a little bit different than our typical word puzzles. And we have another new beta that we're going to be launching sometime in the next couple of months, two or three months that I'm really excited about. More new stuff on the horizon. Yeah. And then lots of other projects that I could ramble on about, but those are the biggies (laughs) right now. You're touching on a kind of a creative trial and error exploration, got to keep a pipeline that I think a lot of people would say, and I think about your past roles as well, but you've got the New York Times crossword puzzle. It's stay in your lane. Let's just build what on what we have. It's our flagship offering. But you've just listed, geez, a dozen or more of these trial and error. And let's just see where it goes. Let's beta test. Let's go see what we can do. Yeah, the reality is we have to do both. And we do spend most of our resources making sure our core service works and works well for people. We have to get our crossword puzzle out every single day at the quality that people have come to expect with, by the way, the crossword, you know, we're innovating all the time. We're making it more relevant. The process for taking in submissions and then editing and curating them and ultimately deciding which ones to puzzle we have a to, to publish. We have a large editorial team that works on the crossword every day and every week. It's led by Will Shorts, but there's many people on that team um, who who edit the crossword every day, every week. And that's a really big project. And then making sure that it works digitally for people who are paying for that. So I would say, and I'm glad you mentioned it, that is where we spend most of our resources and that's the bread and butter. And it's essential that we get that just right. And then you're always looking for ways to grow and to innovate. And Wordle was the perfect version of that. If you don't do that, someone's going to come along and take it from you. And we were so fortunate to be able to to acquire that and bring it into our portfolio because what it does is it expands the audience. We're reaching more people. We're reaching younger people. It's a more international audience. It's a simpler game. It's more approachable. Crossword puzzles are hard. People, they're more time consuming. And so it rounds out our opportunity and it creates a funnel into the crossword, frankly. So all these games can play different roles and we do need to always be innovating and trying new ideas. And you mentioned the team aspect of this. And I think about the, what the topic, sometimes I would call it a controversy of how to build out teams, creative teams, especially on a remote, on a multi-location kind of basis to, to make sure you have all the best talent and to retain that talent. But how are you managing through those issues? Yeah, so we we have a good-sized team dedicated to games and across a lot of different functions. I mentioned the editorial team that's working on our content. We have a 
engineering, a large engineering team, obviously, that's delivering the digital product, and they work alongside product managers and product designers. We have researchers, we have a big data team that's helping us understand what's happening, giving us those user insights that are so important. We have an awesome marketing team that's helping us share everything we're doing with the world and and optimize for discovery and acquisition of new users and new subscribers. So it's it's a good operate good size operation. You're right. Look, the pandemic hit and challenged us to find all new ways of working and we do spend a lot of time on remote hybrid working norms. I would say close to half of my team is remote apart from the pandemic. We just have been a remote friendly team inside the company. We've been hiring a lot of engineers who are working across the country, and we've been very adaptable to people's lifestyles and what works for them. And I think it's important to give people that that flexibility and meet them where they are. A lot of what we find is that a lot of people do want to come into the office in New York and they do want to be together and that sort of like in-person stuff still really matters for building relationships and, and we bring people together from all over the country a couple times a year to make sure that we have that face time and build those relationships and have that social aspect to what we do that's really important. But yeah, a lot of the work gets done in a remote environment and we've found a way to to make that really effective. I'll say one more beat on that. Games is a team sport. Like making games is a team sport for sure. Like it I mentioned all it the makes different total disciplines. Sense. Yeah. Like it it is it is a collaborative effort and it's a lot of different disciplines coming together from different points of view to deliver a product for users and it's hard. It's hard work and it requires a lot of communication, collaboration. And I think for me, and this has been true my whole career, the most important thing is around the vision and the strategy of what we're all trying to do together and getting everyone on the same page about that and excited about that and believing in not just the vision of what we are, but also what we aspire to be and where we're headed and all the opportunities. And I think that makes the remote work that makes the all the challenges that we have all over the world right now and in terms of staying engaged and burnout and all the rest of it if you are part of a team that has a shared collective vision and some shared values about your product that you believe in it you believe in where we're going and it's exciting to you that's more than half the battle and all that stuff is just essential to a high functioning team a very good insight thanks for sharing that my guest is Jonathan Knight. Jonathan, I think we've covered the sort of business and highlights and career highlights, but I've noticed a little something on the side of your resume, and that's consulting and advising in public schools. And I wondered if you could maybe give us an insight into what that kind of public school involvement and what about the learning aspects of digital games that you're espousing? Yeah, thanks for asking and for bringing that up. And I would like to do more of it. My my job occupies yes. most of my time. <laughs> but no, I've been involved with the Gwinnett County school system in Georgia for a number of years. I don't do a ton for them. I attend meetings and try to give advice. The main thing I do for them is I judge their student video game contests. They do them every year and I volunteer my time to go through all of their just awesome and creative projects that they do. And we have a rubric and we judge them and there's a couple of other judges. And that's one way that I can give back and 
I'd love to be able to do more. It's been really fun for me. It's incredible. The tools that kids have today to create things, whether it's Unity or some other tool or Roblox, anybody can make a video game. And that was not true when I was growing up. And uh, so it's just, yeah, it's really rewarding to see all that creative energy coming out of the kids. Fantastic. Jonathan, I can't thank you enough for a great conversation. It's been engaging, creative, and leave us with some maybe encouragement, at least inspiration for creative people coming up, going through that gating process you've been describing and whether it's on their own to develop new ideas or with their companies and teams, what did we need to do to keep the fire burning? You just make stuff and learn from it and then make more stuff. It's just that simple. And I think the most successful film directors in Hollywood, all the way down to just the average person making TikTok content or video game makers, they'll all tell you the same thing. You get good at doing by doing, and you have to have sort of a growth mindset and a learning mindset and not be afraid of failure recognize failure. Oh, that was bad. Here's what I learned from it. And then do it again and keep trying. And that's, it's a, it's advice as old as time. It's not, it's not revolutionary, but it really is true. And it really does work. I think the one piece I might add is it's important to, to be in an environment with other people that, that is supportive and encouraging and allows you to fail. Talk about the failure in a way that you don't take it personally, that people aren't using it against each other, that failure is a gift and it can be hard. But if you're surrounded by people that feel the same way and point out the positives of failure, and then you get back on that horse, almost nobody comes out of the womb just like nailing it creatively. It's just really rare. If ever, it's all about doing and learning. The Beatles blew up and this has been documented in the Malcolm Gladwell book. Why did they suddenly get off that airplane in America and take the world by storm? It didn't come out of nowhere. They were playing in a a basement in a cavern, in a bar in Berlin or not Berlin. What was the, I'm getting it all wrong, but in Germany, (laughs) forget the city. And they were just rocking out two shows a day for eight days a week as the song goes. And for months after months after months, and they got really good at what they were doing. That's what it's all about. It's about practice and learning, iterating, and then you get there and you have your breakout. And yeah, so that's what I would say. Hamburg, not this Hamburg. Hamburg, yes. I'll get the phone calls. You'll get the emails. It's come on, Beatles people. Yes. I love that. I've been talking with Jonathan Knight. He's the head of games at the New York Times. But also, as we've been talking, there's a business side of that. And he's the senior vice president of a major media corporation. So not only having the fun and creative side, but also running a a business operation, a PL publishing pipeline for a major media organization. His background that we've touched on is creative leadership roles at some of the name brand video game and gaming companies that we all know and love. And I think we've really taken away today both of those that we've got to have our creative smarts, but we've also got to practice our craft and gain the confidence to put our work out into the world. And that's what this podcast is all about. So we'll continue our worldwide travels. We've stamped our creative passport in San Francisco Bay Area today, and of course the New York Times globally, but we'll continue our global travels and talk to creative practitioners about how they get inspired, organize ideas, and most of all, how they gain the confidence and connections to launch their work out into the world. Until next time, I'm Mark Stinson, and we're unlocking your world of creativity. 
Unlocking Your World of Creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and thepeaceroom.love. If you like this podcast, here's another show that you'll like from BSB Media. The Patients Speak, Healthcare Innovations Accelerating the Patient Journey. It features interviews with healthcare leaders, patient advocates, medical providers, and researchers. Presented by 83 Bar. Look for The Patients Speak on your favorite podcast app.